Mind and the Motorcycle, Monologues, Volume 36, May 27th, 2021, A Lone Voice in the Universe. For those of you who have been listening all along, you will notice a dramatic improvement in the sound quality. I'm no longer on the phone uh, because my pal Foster is back, so we're in the studio. Let's get to the headlines. Happy birthday, Dead Floyd, Messin' in the Middle East, Disappearing Tibet, Syrian Clusterfuck, Samoa Shit Show, COVID, Low and High, Dirty Amazon, Facebook, Shame and Sloppy, Go to College, Chicken Shit Biden, Navajo Numbers, Texas Guns for All, Shell Gets Bitch Slapped, Divorce China Style, Close Encounters with Harry Reid. Now we're going to close with a poem from Joy Harjo. Um, Perhaps the world ends here. It's a great poem that um, really deals with the kitchen table, of all things. All right, let's get to it. Um, This past Tuesday, May 25th, uh, marks the one year since the death of George Floyd. Actually, I wouldn't, since the murder of George Floyd. And surprisingly, um, really nothing's happened uh, in terms of legislation, uh, in terms of the, the amount of violence against uh, people of color, um, no change. And um, that's, that's a very sad commentary, and it shouldn't take a year um, for us to begin correcting some of these things that we have been living with far too long. Um, and, uh, well, when we talk about um, murder and, and, and death and, and sloppy guns, let's go to Texas. Texas is poised to remove one of its last major gun restrictions after lawmakers approved allowing people to hire, carry handguns without a license and background check and training, which basically means all you got to be able to do is have some money in your pocket and you can buy a gun, and you can slap it on your hip. Uh, Supporters of the bill say that it would allow Texans to better defend themselves in public while abolishing unnecessary impediments to the constitutional right to bear arms. And uh, Texas already allows rifles to be carried in public without a license, and uh, it will, if it hasn't already been, it it will be um, approved by uh, Governor Abbott, a moron. And um, uh, when we deal with violence, unfortunately, uh, we cannot leave out uh, the Middle East. And uh, uh, Israel's deadly 11-day assault on the Gaza Strip left an estimated 400,000 people of the occupied territories, roughly 2 million, without access to a regular supply of clean water. So in addition to killing more than 240 Palestinians, including dozens of children, and displacing tens of thousands. Israel's aerial and artillery bombardment further devastated Gaza's infrastructure from sewage systems to electricity lines that power the coastal enclave's water desalination plants. And um, according to Oxfam International, Israel's authorities have stopped the bombing but are now restricting fuel deliveries 
upon which Gaza is dependent for its electricity. electricity. Further, they have also closed most of the Gaza fishing zone, meaning nearly 3,600 fishermen have now lost their daily income. We are going to be staying uh, there for a while. Human rights defenders on Tuesday uh, continued to condemn the ongoing mass arrest of hundreds of Palestinian citizens of Israel who participated in the recent protest against the forced displacement and settler attacks in the occupied East Jerusalem and West Bank. Uh, According to Israeli police, over 1,500 Palestinians have been arrested since March 9th during what they are calling Operation Law and Order. The nation reports that Israeli police say the arrests are meant to settle the score with Israel's Arab citizens. Um, As the Gaza Strip slowly uh, reconnects with the outside world after the 11-day fight uh, between Israel and Hamas, patients with urgent medical needs are still waiting for Israel's permission to leave the enclave for urgent surgeries, transplants, or cancer treatments that were interrupted by the fighting and now unavailable in Gaza. And one of the things that has happened um, as a result of of this heightened attention, uh, the amount of anti-Semitic attacks uh, in America has increased dramatically. It is just, um, I should say, it's really not unbelievable how hate foments hate and how violence, again, as I say too often, begets violence. So the mistreatment um, in, in Israel in terms of the Palestinians um, is contagious um, and it's spread. Uh, and that is incredibly sad. Uh, the, uh, we'll go to Tibet. The top political leader of Tibet's government in exile said this past, this past Friday that there is an urgent threat of cultural genocide in Tibet which really comes as no surprise if anybody has been following the news um, and what China has done uh, to that country um, since they uh, really invaded and and took it over. Um, Penpa Tsering, uh, who was this month elected president of Central Tibet's administration, uh, told Reuters that they are committed to a peaceful resolution with China, but Beijing's current policies threatened the future of the Tibetan culture. According to him, time is running out, and it is running out. Um, There's more news from China. This is a little curious. Um, Divorces in China fell by 70% after the the announcement of a mandatory cooling-off law following uh, the government's concern over hasty divorces. This is according to CNN. Uh, The number of registered divorces this year decreased to just under 300,000 from over a million in the last quarter of 2020. Um, A law was introduced uh, January 1st requiring that couples register for divorce and wait 30 days. And uh, divorces have been on the rise in recent years in China with wives initiating more than 70% of them. I am not surprised.
news out of Syria, uh, Syrian President Bashar al-Assad, who he presided over the civil war that's been going on in that country for just about 10 years. And it has resulted in the death of over a half a million citizens. And he's done such a wonderful job that he is running for re-election on May 26th. He is running for his fourth seven-year term. Congratulations to Assad. Um, this kind of got my attention, um, and I referred to the made my own headline of, of Samoa Shitshow. Uh, the Pacific Island nation of Samoa entered an, um, another political crisis this past Monday when the newly elected prime minister was locked out of parliament by her opponent to prevent her swearing-in ceremony. That's according to the Washington Post. Her name, and I hope I pronounce it correctly, Fayame Naomi Meta'afa. She's the country's first female prime minister, and she was not allowed to enter the legislative body. Uh, And she referred to this move as a bloodless coup. And um, something that will not come as a surprise to many people and to others it will. Uh, Three researchers from China's Wuhan Institute of Virology, they sought hospital care in November of 2019, months before China disclosed the COVID-19 pandemic. And that's according to the Wall Street Journal this past Sunday. The newspaper said the report, which provides fresh details on the number of researchers affected, the timing of their illnesses and their hospital visits, add weight to calls for a broader probe of whether COVID-19, the virus, could have escaped from the laboratory and uh, not from somebody chewing on a bat. We're going to stay with COVID. It's still hard to avoid. Um, And take a quick trip to Latin America. Um, In Venezuela, uh, COVID-19 cases have increased 86% since the beginning of this year. And the mortality rates in Brazil um, for people younger than 39 have doubled um, since December of last year. Those in their 40s, the rates have quadrupled. Uh, For those in their 50s, they have tripled. Um, In Peru, meanwhile, April was the deadliest month since the pandemic started in that country. Here's a a, a statistic that unfortunately is not surprising. Latin America recently accounted for 35% of all coronavirus deaths in a single week, even though the region is home to only 8% of the world's population. It's a combination of poverty and lack of access to the vaccine, uh, because the drug companies want their patent money, and they really don't care who dies while they wait. Um, COVID has reached up to Mount Everest. Uh, An expert climbing guide said last Saturday that a coronavirus outbreak on Mount Everest has infected at least 100 climbers and support staff. This is according to Lucas Frittenbach, of Austria. Um, And to quote him, we have at least 100 people minimum positive for COVID-19 in base camp, and then the numbers might be something like 150 to 200. Meanwhile, not surprisingly, 
Nepalese mountaineering officials have denied there are any active cases this season. Who do you think is telling the truth? Amazon, hard to keep them out of the news. Uh, there was an internal uh, petition signed by 640 Amazon tech and corporate employees asking the company to raise its emission goals and address the disproportionate environmental harms its logistic empire leaves on black, Latino, indigenous, and immigrant neighborhoods where all of their warehouses are concentrated. Amazon is the second largest employer in the country with over one million workers. And uh, a quote from the group, as employees, we are alarmed that Amazon's pollution is disproportionately concentrated in communities of color. Um, I want to stay a little bit with bias and, and shift over to Facebook. Um, Facebook has refused to remove a widely viewed attack ad that links Representative Ilhan Omar to Hamas. Um, you know, uh, she's a Muslim from Minnesota, um, and there's no way in the world uh, this lady has a damn thing to do with Hamas. And the fact of the matter is, uh, of course, she has been very pro-Palestinian just in terms of their incredible mistreatment. And it's, um, I really can't find um, any fault with that. Stay with Facebook. Um, Facebook said it, uh, it's uh, recently uncovered disinformation campaigns in more than 50 countries since 2017. Um, the report, it, it, summarized 100, it summarizes 150 disinformation operations um, that um, it has disrupted during that period. Um, I, it's not something that, that really gets talked about a lot. And really, I'm not sure what's worse, whether it's Facebook's policies or the invisible influencers who use Facebook. Um, and they have had an unbelievable impact on 2016 and 2020 elections. Um, they, have, they are fomenting ethnic hatred, um, and they have been responsible for COVID disinformation and vaccine misinformation um, as well. So uh, the Internet is absolutely both our best friend and very often our worst enemy. You know, um, I think I'm gonna um, I'm gonna take a break right now, and then I want to move on to um, a different story. So it's time for the baseman. Okay, I'm back. Let's go to college and uh, some information from the Pew Research Center. Not surprising, but interesting. Um, Adults who have at least one college-educated parent are far more likely to complete college compared to uh, with adults with less educated parents. Some 70% of adults aged 22 to 59 with at least one parent who has a bachelor's degree or more have completed a bachelor's degree themselves, while only 26% of their peers who don't have a college-educated parent have a bachelor's degree. Um, education um, is contagious. And it's also um, about the money, honey. 
the median household income for households headed by a first-generation college graduate is about 100 grand. And it's substantially lower than the income for households headed by a second-generation graduate, 136,000. It's really interesting. And this um, I found, and it's like, wow, it's just linked to the Pew Research. I initially looked at it and said, oh, I don't know. I'm not sure I quite understand it. Um, Leveling inequities in the U.S. higher education system would require an investment of nearly $4 trillion, but could lead to annual public benefits that would recoup those costs in 10 years. That's from a new study, and it goes back to just uh, the, the news just before, that people with college educations earn a lot more money. So it's worth investing in educating our population because they're going to make more money and it leads to a stronger economy. This was a, a simulation done by Georgetown University Center on Education and the Workforce, a mouthful, the acronym CEW. Uh, just a, a quick quote. Um, the U.S. economy misses out on $956 billion per year along with numerous non-monetary benefits as a result of post-secondary attainment gaps by economic status and race ethnicity, which really sounds like a mouthful. But again, it goes back to what I just said before. Um, the better educated, um, the higher your income, uh, the stronger the economy. It's just a smart goddamn investment. All right. And uh, oh, this kind of uh, leads into it, uh, again, is there's some linkage here. Um, the headline for this is Biden chicken shit. Uh, progressives are incredibly angry um, in, in, in response to reports that President Biden's forthcoming official budget proposal will not, will not include a public option for health care, drug pricing reform, student debt cancellation, or the estate tax increase. So uh, when, when he unveils his official budget proposal this Friday, none of those initiatives, which were already considered inadequate by progressives, demanding Medicare for all, at least 50000 bucks of student debt relief, and substantially higher taxes on the super rich will be included. And... Uh, I, you know, um, these politicians refuse to learn. Um, and going back to the Pew folks, man, all you got to do is look at polling information, and the vast majority of people want student debt forgiven. They want Medicare for all. They want higher taxes on the rich and, and higher taxes on corporations. And, uh, you know, the folks in Washington, they're just on the payroll of the fat cats. Um, a little news, I just thought I would share it just for the hell of it. Uh, the Navajo Nation um, has just surpassed the Cherokee Nation um, as the, uh, the tribe with the uh, greatest population. Uh, their enrollment is now just shy of 400,000, um, and it was just enough uh, for the Diné, that's how they call themselves, to eclipse the Cherokee Nation which has an enrollment of about 392,000. 
And they really were very aggressive because um, increasing their roles had a lot to do with receiving more federal funds. Um, Shell Oil, uh, a little bit of a bit slapping. Uh, climate campaigners worldwide are celebrating after a Dutch court on this past Wednesday ordered the fossil fuel giant Royal Dutch Shell to cut its carbon emissions 45% by 2030 from the 2019 levels. Um, according to Sarah Shaw of Friends of the Earth, this is a landslide victory for climate justice. Our hope is that this verdict will trigger a wave of climate litigation against big polluters to force them to stop extracting and burning fossil fuels. And um, it really applies only to the Netherlands. And, and I'm, uh, while it really is good news, I'm, I'm, my feeling is it really is uh, kind of a, a Pyrrhic victory. Um, it's symbolic, but um, it's not going to do shit to curtail um, uh, the oil and gas companies from doing their things with the full support of our government. All right, uh, we're going to leave this world and go to another. Um, former Senate Majority Leader Harry Reid uh, wrote an article uh, for the New York Times last Friday, um, and he wrote about how he became increasingly interested in UFOs. To quote him, um, I believed that an unofficial taboo regarding the frank discussion of encounters could harm our national security and stymie opportunities for technical advancement. Um, and he continues, uh, which is why that um, he, along with uh, Senator Ted Stevens of Alaska and Daniel Inouye of our Hawaii, they helped create the secret Pent Pentagon program in 2007. Uh, Reed argues that there's information the government has uncovered during its UFO investigations that, quote, can be disclosed to the public without harming our national security. Um, he said that um, he actually had visited, has visited Area 51 in Nevada, and what he said is, quote, what I saw fascinated me, though much of it must remain classified. Um, um, they're out there. They've always been out there. And uh, it's really time we started to um, share the information that's being kept secret from us. Um, you know, it is our planet uh, after all. All right, uh, I've got a poem by a Native American poet uh, named Joy Harjo. Uh, it's called Perhaps the World Ends Here. And it's uh, about all things uh, the kitchen table. The world begins at a kitchen table. No matter what, we must eat to live. The gifts of earth are brought and prepared, set on the table. So it has been since creation, and it will go on. We chase chickens or dogs away from it. Babies teeth at the corners. They scrape their knees under it. It is here that children are given instructions on what it means to be human. We make men at it. We make women. At this table, we gossip, recall enemies and the ghosts of lovers. Our dreams drink coffee with us as they put their arms around our children. 
They laugh with us at our poor falling down selves and as we put ourselves back together once again at the table. This table has been a house in the rain, an umbrella in the sun. Wars have begun and ended at this table. It is a place to hide in the shadow of terror, a place to celebrate the terrible victory. We have given birth on this table and have prepared our parents for burial here. At this table, we sing with joy, with sorrow. We pray of suffering and remorse. We give thanks. Perhaps the world will end at the kitchen table while we are laughing and crying, eating of the last sweet bite. Great poem, man. Um, well, um, I'm done. Um, I made it. Uh, I know the sounds better. Um, and if you've gotten this far, thank you. Uh, please tell your friends. And God, whatever you do, you absolutely have got to watch Foster and Feinstein on YouTube. You ain't going to find anything better. And all right, it's uh, time for me to leave. And I know I could stay on. I'm having such a good time, but I'll, I'll bore you to tears. So um, as I always say, uh, until next week, same time, same station, God bless. <laughs>